Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. And this episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. I'm running. I'm running out. I got to watch more old newsreel footage. No, I think it's great. I, I honestly think it's great when sometimes you return to the classic newsreel footage type songs and like that sounded like a sexy, jazzy elevator. <laughs> yeah. 
There you go. I <laughs> felt like maybe I was in Mad Men. I'm like, some, there's some like jazzy music and then ding, we're on the advertising floor. It's great. We're on the 15th, baby. We're on the 15th, baby. Uh, we're actually on the 31st, the 31st episode of the Clone Wars Report. And this episode, we are discussing the two-episode arc of the show, uh, which includes Blue Shadow Virus, uh, Season 1, Episode 17, written by Craig Titley, Titley uh, directed by Giancarlo Volpe, and Mystery of a Thousand Moons, Season 1, Episode 18, written by Brian Larson, directed by Jesse Yee, or Yay. I apologize that I don't know exactly how to pronounce these names. Two uh, weird and fun episodes, right, Ken? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. I can't wait to... Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, here's the quick summary. The Naboo Guard discover a horrible truth. Battle droids on Naboo. Uh, Padme, Jar Jar, in R2 investigate and discover a secret underground lab. It is run by Separatist scientist the vile Nuvo Vindi. He's resurrected the long-defeated Blue Shadow Virus and mutated it into an airborne strain. Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Padawan Ahsoka Tano attack the lab and successfully contain the virus. Or so they think. A mischievous LEP rabbit droid sets off a bomb, causing Padme, Ahsoka, Rex, and several clones to be exposed to the virus. Anakin and Obi-Wan rush to find the needed antidote, the Ruxa Root. Their quest then takes them into Separatist space and Iego, the planet of a thousand moons. There they meet a plucky child named Jabo Hood, a superstitious quarren named Amit Noloff, and the terrifying trap of Droll, the Phantom of the Moons. Can they escape in time? Fear, hope, banter, and comedy, and weirdness ensue. That might have been one of your best summaries. That, that might have been... <laughs> Just excellent work. Uh, oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I have uh, probably too much fun writing them. But let's dive into this. I'm so curious. What was your overall reaction to this two-episode uh, arc? Are we looking at a love, a like, a struggle? We're looking at all of it. Okay, we're really looking at all of it. I don't remember these episodes, yet I've never forgotten them. I was watching, I always do like early in our week, I'll watch them maybe on the treadmill or something. And then I'll watch them a little bit later on to do the notes. Usually the day we record. Right. And the first time I watch it on the treadmill and I'm like, I have no memory. I've never seen these episodes, but I know that's <laughs> not true. I know that's not true. Cause on the, on Netflix, I went through and watched every episode about two, three years ago. I absolutely know I've seen these before. Right. And so then, yes. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's right. Jabo and, and, and this and that. So like, yep, I've seen it, but I had no memory, <laughs> no memory of it. I don't know what that means. That's not all bad. It's not all bad. Uh, and because these episodes are not all bad. These are, I don't know after, after you and I complete these reviews, Joseph, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I'll ever see these episodes again in my life. Really? Yeah. But that's, but it's not bad. It's not bad. I oh, love these two episodes. Yeah, these two episodes. Okay, so you these are not the episodes that you are putting on a list to go back and say, you know, some Saturday morning when I just want some fun with my breakfast cereal, you're not going to queue up Blue Shadow Virus and Mystery of a Thousand Moons. These literally, this this literally uh, might be the last time I ever see these episodes. I, I, I might <laughs> unless it's by accident. Well, then let's make the most of this. Uh, I'm so curious to dive into to how and why you feel that way. I think there is something, uh, what you're saying about you didn't have any memory of these. I, this is the kind of third and a half time that I've watched through uh, Clone Wars for myself. And there are episodes that I think 
I, I remember parts of because I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's that one. And, and then the details don't seep down. And I think especially as the Clone Wars goes on, there's episodes that you're like, oh, I remember that chunk. But which season or which episode is that little scene I like a part of and all that. Uh, but these episodes really stood out to me because uh, I think I just uh, I remembered them from oh, this is the one where Padme gets exposed to the virus. We get to be on Naboo. And it's a real attachment episode. That's what I thought going in. And there definitely is stuff about attachment. But there's mm-hmm. so much else just bonkers, just bonkers weirdness going on that uh, have elevated these episodes for me. Like, I, I'm not going to put them in my love list. <laughs> you know yeah, all about my love list. I'm keeping a, an actual list. These are both in in like uh but there's what so is much there. Wars love language, Joseph. What is your Clone Wars love language? <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it has to. I think love. It becomes love when it's really about the Jedi. That's my bias. That's my perspective. Uh, it's got some great Jedi stuff. It's got some really really great uh, Jedi stuff. I think I also am gravitating to the episodes of Clone Wars that are able to really. Uh, take a big theme in Star Wars and really examine it in detail and almost like um, it's like there's some ideas in the uh, Skywalker saga in particular that have they're a big theme statement and then there are some beats in the film that are supporting evidence and then there's episodes of Clone Wars that are like this entire episode this entire arc is all of this really specific supporting emotional, moral support for this big theme. And those are the ones that grab me uh, a lot. And then also good Obi-Wan episodes. And, and there is a lot in in this. Um, I, I liked a lot that it that it dealt with attachment, uh, but had the more immediate perspective because a lot of these questions of attachment for Anakin are, you know, attachment to R2 or uh, theoretical loss. And I like that this is just really immediate of like, no, for real, Padme's going to die. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there, there, that's a different perspective, which is great. Um, uh, is you were we were saying before we started, there's a real Halloween vibe to this because uh, we got a right. mad scientist. It's kind of fresh to have a bio horror in Star Wars, and that's another yeah. thing I like in Clone Wars when it can uh, explore some genre stuff that is not in the movies per se. Um, another thing that I really liked about it is it's so. Both episodes so pulled uh, from Saturday Saturday morning serial, and I go on and on about how much of that it was an influence on Lucas. Um, not just Flash Gordon, but Captain Marvel, the Shadow, Batman, Western serials, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Nouveau Vindi is is so German from when these serials were being made in the thirties, forties, fifties. Very aware of that World War II era perspective. Nouveau Vindi is just uh, seeped in that. And his lab. And then there's just a lot of that serial uh, storytelling of, especially in Mystery of a Thousand Moons, where like, well, you've got this one problem, but in order to address this problem, you have to fight a plant. You have to fight, you know, a winged bat creature. You have to figure out a way off the planet. It's just kind of one thing after another. Um, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of things in this that I that I really gravitated toward. Yeah, I know this, and this is, this is as as one should, and and that's what I, I'm ready to dis, to discuss it on on a micro level here. Uh, what you described too, it's funny watching this uh, these two episodes. I was thinking the Indiana Jones vibe to me more than anything, not specifically, you know, just but like overall what Lucas and Spielberg were trying to do with with those films. 
Uh, this, this, you could take this plot and lay it down in, in an Indiana Jones film or something. A virus, a mad scientist, a, a weird land. Is it an angel? Is it an alien? We'll figure out. Like, <laughs> and, and Indiana Jones being my favorite, you know, cinematic character, like I, I'm there for that stuff. So it, it did pull me in. And I will, I'll, I'll start here with, with Dr. Vindy. You know, I'll say he's not one of my favorite characters. Yet at the same time, I really love when the creators, any creators, just roll up your sleeves and have fun with what they're doing. And you could just see there's a lot of fun put into this episode. I bet there was some laughing in the writer's room or the concept rooms or George oh, coming yeah. around. Make him more German. Make him go, yes, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't see there's, there's fun. And, and then Vindy shoves up again in the Catalyst novel, as he's mentioned. So, hey, you know, he counts. He's there. He's part of the story. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm ready to dive in. I'm, I'm with you on, on a lot of these things here. It, 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 we're not going to be far apart. It's just, um, unlike say like me, we're, we're going to me, Gascon's not a good, good example. You know, I, I just do not like Rift Hampson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a shark. He's a shark. And, and that's where, <laughs> yeah, that bothers me. I don't know what I, what I have against sharks. So I'm interested to see what I've discover in those episodes. So this is one of those episodes too, where I'm like crazy mad German scientist, do I like that in Star Wars? I'm not sure, but let's see what's there. What there is there for me in this story? Yeah. Now, as we watch this uh, first season, I kind of want just a big team up of like Clone Wars super villains <laughs> that we don't know their final fate. I want Nuvo Vindi to meet up with Lock Durd <laughs> oh, yeah. and have a you know big weird voice off. Uh, yeah, that's great what you're saying about Indiana Jones because it is again. I, I kind of bang on about it because I don't want that historical perspective of where Star Wars and where Indiana Jones came from because I think it explains a lot going forward as Star Wars evolves how much that sent that style of storytelling um, the specific kind of cultural references and that pace uh, and sometimes the way the villains are depicted so much of it comes from those uh, the, the source material of those adventure serials from the 30s 40s 50s that I, I just get kind of obsessed with that um, well, I think, but I think you should because I don't, I don't, I don't mean this to, to come off too negative to folks out there, but like audiences change, change, and what we want out of our, our, our thing, our things that we watch and read and love. I, I get that they change, mature, they should, but I think that the core elements had need to be there, or else it's not the thing you, you love. And this is one of those things, and I always wanted to come back to that. That you use that phrase "whiz bang," which I just absolutely love. I don't want Star Wars ever to not be that and have fun and. Mm -hmm. Dark, gritty stuff is not doesn't pull me in, but I know a lot of people want that. But it's you can't confuse Star Wars for that. Sometimes I don't know if that makes any sense. So I'm with you. B bang away on this whiz bang drum. <laughs> I will bang away on the whole whiz bang. Uh, my last overall thing, and, and then we can dive into the uh, great details because there are so many great details. Uh, this is to own my own bias. I think these are great Obi Wan episodes. There's a a ton of nuance. There's some funny Obi Wan moments. There's some uh, kind of heroic Obi Wan moments. And there's a lot of just kindness towards Anakin when he knows that Anakin is really wrestling with these attachment issues with Padme. And there's he's there's this gentle tone from Obi-Wan a lot, which I think is a, a great choice on the directors and I think a great performance uh, from James Arnold Taylor. There's some wonderful Obi-Wan moments and some ones I want to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, excellent. I can't wait to get that. So uh, let's talk about the morals of the episode. Uh, the first moral is... Fear is a disease, hope is its only cure, and a single chance is a galaxy of hope. These are some very, very pillars of Star Wars kinds of morals, aren't they? Oh, this is, 
yeah, especially the second one. Uh, both drive point drive the points home, but hope we we know that word. It's almost like a, a joke. How many times can they say hope in a Star Wars thing? But it's it's and again, we'll talk about elements of Star Wars that needs to be here. And these these are some real big lessons that can have a lot of different ways. The the, the fear one in, in particular, like it takes on a lot of different forms and a lot of different uh, versions of the lesson in these these episodes. Yeah. So which one which one hit you more? Which one affected you more? Um, I think there is this idea. Well, well, the one that I think means the most to me right now might be the Anakin and his fear that turns quickly into the anger. We, you've heard that before and panic, which just feeds more fear and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Don't panic guy, but <laughs> I see a lot. I've, I've, I've talked about, I've been Clone Wars deals with this stuff a lot. This is why I've been banging this drum of just, People misunderstand a lot of times what strength is and what fear is, I think. And I'll just say, this is an episode, Joseph, that's about a virus. We have this going on right now. And I've had the fact that I, I you know, believe I'm going to go ahead and wear a mask into this store. I've had it thrown in my face. That's fear. And I reject that on every level. And, and this episode, the fear that Anakin is experiencing is the fear Yoda is addressing. Yoda's not saying Anakin the boy is is a coward. He's he knows right away that these attachments are what will destroy him, and they're on display here. So being prepared, being safe, um, considering others is not a weakness. And I, I I think this episode deals with the kind of fear I want people to to comprehend and grow and learn from in my Star Wars. So that's pretty big for me. I I gravitated towards that one. Yeah. It's not just. Anakin's not just in love. He is, you know, there's a sweet little moment. He kind of rubs her, her face at the end of the second episode, just kind of like they're safe and together. Right. It's really sweet. Uh, it's not just that. And, and it's, and that's, I won't, I, I'll just ask you right now. Do you think this is the episodes where Anakin or Obi-Wan's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that Obi-Wan is in a lot of denial and rewatching the clone wars. <laughs> really? I think I've said this before. I think Obi-Wan sees a lot that he doesn't let himself fully ruminate on. Like, he know he knows an attack of the clones when she falls out of, you know, the gunship. And Anakin almost, you know, yeah. stops the whole mission. And they, in that moment, Obi-Wan is like being honest and real and vulnerable. Like, dude, you're the chosen one. I can't take Dooku alone. I need you. We could end this war. And you're willing to turn around. And then, you know, I, I think it's easy to overlook that in Attack of the Clones, uh, Obi-Wan's all cut up. Yoda's exhausted. Dooku escaped. And Padme just goes running to Anakin. And Anakin, and they hug. And both Obi-Wan and Yoda are right effing there, right? Like, yes. So I feel like, especially as I rewatch Clone Wars, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan knows there's attachment. There's nothing but Satine uh, flashing through his mind. And I think he just doesn't let himself play his thoughts out to conclusion to the point of like, they're married. They're, they're totally, they're totally doing it. Um, I think he's just like, he's got this big crush on her. Like I had on Satine and, and they're friends and he's got a crush. And I think Obi-Wan just doesn't let himself accept it beyond that. Until, until later, uh, as if we, especially in season seven. No, that's great. I think it's great. Cause I definitely think it starts, starts in technical. And as someone who has been in, two relationships that started secret and it's a whole weird life story I can't get into, but for various reasons couldn't be known right away, right away. Right. Yeah. 
it's never as secret as you want to believe. And so I've had some Obi-Wans in my life. Like, are you two together? No. I mean, you are, but okay. <laughs> you know? You're not, you're just flirting, right? Like, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> we live oh, together. Anyway. Yeah, and, uh, sorry, that was kind of probably a big question. Maybe could have stayed level, nah. later, but uh, it popped up there anyways. No, I uh, think that's great. I think that's great. Fair um, went too. There's also this fear of war and 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 what it means like to me. The virus kind of represents just various fill in the blank, overwhelming feelings that you feel you can't get out of, or things that are just cover. You know, and 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 hope. Hope gets you through a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this watching these episodes was affecting, you're bringing up a lot of good things. Obviously it, it, it is hard to ignore that. Uh, I've never been a fan uh, in general of uh, chemical weapon type stories because you can't reason with them. You know, I always like a villain who could make a better choice because that gives me some comfort when I watch it. And like, maybe the heroes can get through to the villain, like virus mm-hmm. doesn't care. Uh, so I've never, I'm never a fan of virus uh, episodes for that reason. And now really having to live through that, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard to ignore. And it, it is in a way kind of helping me deal with that fear of like, sometimes, you know, things aren't rational. You can't, you know, uh, reason with a thing. It's just a danger and you have to deal with it. And I think this episode does a, a really great job of telling that story that mm-hmm. is you're saying, uh, and it's powerful right now because we are in some ways going through it in real life that the virus is the virus, but it is also this symbol of like a horrible thing is happening mm-hmm. and you have to react to it. And I, that's where the this uh, distinction between fear and hope is really powerful to me. Um, I think what we're seeing in these episodes is uh, that sometimes I think in the real world, hope and especially just repeating hope people really uh, quickly can see that as naive or Mm -hmm. like you think the world's just this pretty rosy place with bunnies and if you just hope everything's going to be fine and the bunnies will dance and you you have no connection to reality but what this episode is showing us is like all of our heroes are like yeah deadly virus super concerning oh no uh our friends and loved ones are actually infected and now you get to this core star wars idea you choose how you respond to that. Mm-hmm. And Anakin responds by immediately going to the worst case scenario and focusing on that fear that a bad thing has happened. What if I can't stop it? And everybody else, all of our other heroes, uh, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka, Rex, are all like, this is bad. So let's cling to hope because that's what we need. We need to have the smallest belief that this can work out in order to keep going and make it better. And mm-hmm. that is what hope is. Hope is not like this blind belief that things will work out because they do. Right. It's this sustenance you need to keep going to have even the possibility of making it work out. And this episode is so explicit in that, that mm-hmm. this is where fear leads you. This is where hope leads you. And I found that really powerful and really helpful for me in real life too, of when a bad thing happens, you can either just, turn into fear which curdles into anger and acting too fast like Anakin is doing in the episode or you can take a couple steps back and and hope and let that hope help you keep working toward a solution yeah a four center well said uh inspiring stuff there and and 
and ties the emotional canon connection uh, uh, to, to Rogue One. I, the, the the constant use of hope in that movie, I, I even kind of snickered the first couple times. Uh, I, I get that reaction. But the more I watch that movie, the more it is what you're describing. It is not this um, just fairy tale hope. It is like the hope is there's hope that this will get better, but we're going to have to get on the ground and fight for it. Uh, that's the choice we're going to make. Uh, it, it ties into what you and I talk about destiny a lot here in Star Wars. So it's big stuff, uh, big stuff. So there you go. There's big stuff in these episodes, kids. Big stuff. Yeah, I think a single chance is a galaxy of hope. That's that's just Rogue One. That's the power mm-hmm. of Rogue One because Rogue One makes that explicit. And I think that's sometimes what doesn't work when you just repeat hope or like um, mm-hmm. uh, apologies to Harry Potter fans. I'm going to be a little critical of, of Harry Potter. Like a lot in Harry Potter, like there's a lot of like, you know what the answer is? Love. And sometimes the narrative actually plays out. What does that mean practically? Because if you don't have the narrative play out what that means practically, then it feels empty and naive. Um, and again, apologies to, for controversial Harry Potter fans here on Star Wars. I should keep it to controversial Star Wars opinions. But the power of Rogue One is they say hope a lot and you can go like, oh, come on. What does that mean? And then they tell you and show you exactly what that means with the we're going to fight here until we run out of chances then we're going to fight here until we run out of chances you know one person with a sharp stick and then you just see it play out and it's this literal baton of hope that becomes represented by the Death Star plans and yeah it doesn't work they take the chances and they pay off and you know our heroes pay a price but that hope survives Mm. Yeah, it's not just a winky nod to a movie from 77. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so that's a lot, a lot of thoughts just on the morals. Let's dive into the actual themes of the episode. I think we've already uh, started to turn them around in our heads. Uh, what do you have for yourself? What did you react to in terms of what the big uh, themes and ideas are uh, in the episode? One of the ones, so we talked about fear, and uh, I think some of the forms it, it takes, many forms, uh, and hope is the antidote. But it's hard to find, kids. This idea of, of war and what this is saying, this what's at stake here for this war we're in and heroes on both sides. And you and I have gone into that into that. And, and also we know that this is all Palpatine pulling strings. But but let's to me, this idea that because Vindy talks about it um, and there is also uh, a line from the Queen. Where did I put that in my notes? Um, I think I got it in front of me. You read it because I bet it's the same one. The Senate or the Jedi Council or whoever is in charge of this terrible war. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's the one. Um, and this episode to me, because of what you're talking about with the uh, uh, chemical weapons there, uh, um, there is no, to me, no gray area. And so a lot of what's at stake this episode is the idea that um, there might be ideas on both sides that might maybe some communication, some listening and listening as Padme says, but there's no denying that the separatists in this design with this virus, it's evil. It, it, it's no gray area. It, it is evil. And, and this, that is what's at stake in this war as well. And yeah. that's a lot of what the Republic is fighting for too. There's other things to, yes, there's other little subtopics and agendas we get into. Uh, I'd love to hear again. I love Mina. I love Mina Montero. I mentioned that name a lot because I think it represents what that meant for George a little bit, but I think George, is not going to back down from this. There is evil, and this is evil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was one of the most fascinating things. And, you know, when I saw the episodes before and I really uh, focused on the attachment, which which I want to talk about as well, it took me a little bit away from some of these individual lines that you're pulling out that really made these ideas of uh, war pop. 
But in particular, especially in the first episode, this incredibly uh, complex idea of what life forms deserve to live. Uh, you know, you, you got Nouveau Vindi, uh, who is clearly marked after the sort of Nazi scientist and uh, our pop culture storytelling about Nazi uh, science that it's, you know, doing, you know, dangerous, illegal things. We, we get that in Indiana Jones, where they're touching into the supernatural. We get that in the MCU, where it's the, this fear of the Nazi scientists touching into the supernatural. You know, he's got the accent, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the little circular glasses, all that stuff. Uh, his uh, species is a Faust, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, calling out an actual German legend nothing subtle about it uh you've got the old machinery and the lightning uh, which all kind of adds up to the sort of frankenstein mad scientist trope of giving unnatural life which all of which kind of builds to this idea that the blue shadow virus should be seen as this unnatural evil but he's really got this perspective that mm. it's a light form in the galaxy wiping it out before was murder uh which is you know a, a fascinating perspective especially in star wars since star wars usually celebrates all life matters but the blue shadow virus is almost like the sith of like well all, all life forms matter it, yes but we kind of can't can't work with the ones that will just wipe out everything else because that's not cool either uh mm -hmm. but in particular then nouveau vindi also throws out the i think this line that, that you were thinking about of thousands and thousands of so-called superior life forms are spreading their disease of war throughout the galaxy. Perhaps they're the ones who should be eradicated. So it is this real perspective from Nouveau Vindi of, of uh, like, the virus is the most worthy life form in the galaxy, mm. and you're morally impure. You should, you know, uh, absolutely, you know, be wiped out by the blue shadow virus. I think that's great. Um, and then we, we there are just other little, little references to this idea of that is really important in the Clone Wars of, whose life matters uh vindy calls droids his soulless automaton friends <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. powerful to just call them soulless and then uh, toward the end of the second episode when clones are dying from the blue shadow virus padme says what a waste and rex says with all due respect it was what these men were born to do and that just hit me like a ton of bricks of like how much mm -hmm. rex in this episode is like yeah, that's that's what we were born for to to fight and try to stop you know e evil horrible things like this from happening and sometimes we're gonna die so there, i just thought there was a lot of rich and interesting ideas about that discussion of like how do you define value in life yeah uh this is this is sorry but i apologize this is not as, as deep of, of of the things you've just said here but i i don't think it's a coincidence in my mind star wars wise that this uh Blue uh, blue virus um, was wiped out a gener generations ago, and now it's returned just like the Sith. You just connected them, uh, you know, in my head, uh, and that they, we can't deal with the Sith. We, we, they are here to destroy. Uh, I like that in terms of uh, Star Wars timing. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what's happening in the Clone Wars era is the Sith are airborne now too. <laughs> yeah, back out from under the ground. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't I feel like, yeah, you watch this, these episodes and as you were saying, Nuvo Vindi is, yes, he is absolutely, you know, uh, homicidal. He wants to he seems open to, you know, having the virus maybe be a contained weapon. But you get the sense that he's developing it for the separatists and go like, yeah, use it on one planet or use it on the whole galaxy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, it, so I feel like he is 
clearly coded as the villain. Our heroes are clearly the heroes from trying to stop it. But we get more of this, like, uh, how almost the war opening our heroes to this rhetorical position that Nuvo Vindi is taking of, like, you have ceded your moral high ground to criticize my virus when you're running around the galaxy killing each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk just a little bit more about uh, Fear versus Hope. We already talked about it a bunch, but I really like that these episodes, again, they make it really function and I uh, functional. I feel like they ask you, you know, which makes you function better, fear or hope? Like Anakin's fear, uh, his connection to Padme, we're all really familiar with. And, and it's one of those times where Anakin is relatable of like, yeah, we, we love Ahsoka. We love Padme. It's horrible to see the disease already eating away at them. Those clones dying for in a way that we think is a waste the way Padme is. So we're on Anakin's side of like, do something, fix it. Uh, but we get this uh, great exchange between Obi-Wan and Anakin where Obi-Wan says, a great leap forward often requires first taking two steps back in Anakin counters. And sometimes all it requires is the will to jump. Uh, and I think there's a fun discussion to be had about, it, you know, who who's right in which situation. But Obi-Wan's clearly right in this where he's, you know, saying, let's not act just on fear. Let's take a step back and figure this out. Uh, we get this expression of hope from uh, Padme saying uh, that she never lost faith in Anakin. But we get an expression of hope from Ahsoka when she is kind of using what might be her last words to to say it will in response to the idea that, you know, will the clone sacrifice make a difference towards peace? And she says it will. And like we're seeing functionally and emotionally these expressions of hope and forward movement uh, from a lot of our heroes. And then from Anakin, we're seeing this, this uh, tightness from fear and anger and rushing and it's not going to help, but the hope is functionally helping. Yeah. And it's not flowing through him, right? What Yoda tells Luke, uh, what the ideas behind the force of, of let it guide you, what Maz tells Ray. Uh, just to, not to just to hold it onto the force, but what you're describing can be taken to our regular everyday life. Uh, and that's, that's exactly what's going on here is, is Anakin has just got this tight grip that uh, is going to hurt him and others around him. It's not, it's not functional. And I wrote that down too. If the two steps back for big leap or the will to jump, both are right. Anakin though, um, Anakin's not seeing it clear though. You know, yeah. he's gonna leap, he's going to leap before he knows where he's jumping to uh, that. And, and he's just misinterpreting of, of, of his own words to me in that moment. So, yeah. And you can see it, the great use of the of the Ahsoka moment. Yeah. Of the function of hope. Yeah. And, and I think that's there, too, just with the kind of setup of the uh, mystery of a thousand moons that, you know, sort of they're afraid of those lasers, which they have a right to be afraid of. But right. they have this extra fear because they have this superstition built up around it that it's, you know, a vengeful God that nothing can ever be done about. So they're literally trapped there by their fear. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, that was uh, another great use of of fear. Um, I really and there was less, less of a Jabo Hood that I got kind of silly deep on. But yeah, um, yeah, I wrote down Trapped on Diego, only hope can get you out. Uh, yeah. But, but again, the hope isn't, and this isn't to, yeah, I, I'm with, I, it's not a uh, brushing away of beliefs, you know, um, spiritual beliefs or anything like that. I don't, I don't think this episode saying that, but, but it is just this like, 
you you are trapped here um and you're not even you know you feel as though you can't even try to get out hope hope will hope will get you going and, and you can choose how to figure out from there you know it's just it's simple it's bumper sticker kind of philosophy that i that i like in star wars yeah yeah um yeah and i agree i think that i think this is not anything critical of you know actual deep faith i think i think yeah. the hope is really um supportive of deep faith of of many kinds and the 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 superstition is is you know it's fear it's it's yeah. holding them back i don't think it's yeah yeah. Little, yeah. Little yeah yeah they have made up a reason that they can't leave <laughs> and, right. and aren't willing to figure out what is truly going on so they can you know they're not allowing themselves the hope that well maybe we could figure out the problem they're just making up a reason that mm-hmm. they can't deal right. with this problem they're never saying it's not a problem obi-wan's never like it's not a problem it's just lasers what are you afraid of? You know, it's like, no, let's figure it out. Yeah. Let's roll up our sleeves, figure it out. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe you don't want to leave. Maybe you don't want to leave Jabo hood. Maybe you like just being fanned by battle droids at all times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last theme for me is just, uh, attachment is, is so clearly what's, uh, going on in this episode. Uh, but mm-hmm. I thought it had some sort of interesting, uh, shades of attachment, uh, I like you brought this up, but I like Obi-Wan just knowing immediately that Anakin's probably going to put the mission at risk to try to rescue Padme to the point where he's like, don't do that thing. I know I know you're going to do it. Um, right. I like it that without any hesitation, Anakin straight up says he wants to kill Nuvo Vendi of like, that's not even about like, you know, uh, I need to kill you in order to save people. It's just like you put somebody I love at risk. So I want to kill you. You should die for that. It's just it's straight up revenge. And uh, look, hey, fair enough. I have a particular set of skills. Uh, you know, with, <laughs> and, uh, I like Taken. I don't like the sequels, but I like Taken. All right, I can, I can, I can vibe with that. But it's so interesting up top uh, of, of episode one seventeen, where um, the Queen and oh gosh, I wrote her name down. It is a long name that I probably would mispronounce anyways. But the Queen talks about how you know a couple of no, Naboo guards look like to shoot first before asking questions, um, which is something you and I talked about. How in episode, season seven, there's a lot of like, well. We would have known, but Anakin killed Dooku. That's a bad strategy, just as much as it is a fault. <laughs> so, yeah. to, to take that at the beginning of the episode and to, to, to apply that to what you're just saying about, about Anakin, about how, how, again, more fear, panic, rash decisions. You're going to jump, but why do you need to right now? And you're not thinking clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also just like, as a point of comedy, uh, when at the end of the first episode, when Anakin asks is Padme there, and Ahsoka says, I'm okay too, thanks for asking. Like, yes, he does have an attachment to Ahsoka, but it is not as uh, developed as his attachment to Padme. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I liked the counterpoints to Anakin's uh, sort of fear about attachment uh, that Padme, Ahsoka, Rex are all willing to risk themselves to stop the virus. Jar Jar 2, all the clones that they're all just like, oh, yeah, no, this is horrible. But uh, for the greater good, we must rush in. We must uh, be willing to sacrifice ourselves. And, you know, that that's reinforced by Obi-Wan's Jedi response of like, uh, hey, I want to stop this virus, but it's better that we risk Naboo than the whole galaxy, which that is a theme that's been popping up a lot in these early episodes of, you know, uh, the good of the one does not outweigh the good of the many. Spock would agree. And tough, tough, tough. Uh, tough. And, and tough. During this, this war. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, any other themes before we move on to kind of how it reflects larger story and morality of Star Wars? I'm got, okay. I'll submit this here. Um, I'll submit this one here. All right. Um, and maybe it ties transitions. What you're talking about? 
I'm going to admit that this is me getting silly deep here. I don't think it was super, super intentional, but I think it's present. And I think it's something that pops up again. Uh, Jabo Hood, by design, uh, Wayne Lowe, one of the concept artists who helped design the character, was told to create him to be young Anakin and young Han Solo, as if they're combined. Mm. Um, and we definitely, Jabo is young Anakin in a lot of ways, technically inclined tinkerer, outspoken and brash, but a supportive heart, right? I, I think Jabu, uh, he, is a, he has a good heart, which also ties to Solo a little bit too. Yeah. Well, I think this is another sign because I think this episode, even though I said I won't watch it again, never again, what a, what a fist on the table statement for me, right? <laughs> um, but like, if, if we're going to put together the fall of Anakin, these episodes to me are very much part of that. And so this is a little signpost to Anakin that uh, to to uh, get forward, to get safe, to move on, to save Padme, to do those kind of things, he needs to not act out of uh, what he's acting out right now, fear, anger, uh, panic, paranoia, um, doubt maybe even. He needs to go back to who he was at the start, and he needs to connect with his his nine-year-old self. And Jabo kind of, to me, represents that. And then in Sith, we see with Source Bandima, uh, that's, that's Anakin slice, slicing his past slicing who he was i i just think i know it's a little silly deep but uh, i think it's there i think it's part of the that tapestry of the fall of anakin i don't think that's silly deep at all i mean i think the connections between jabo and anakin are right there the han solo thing is really interesting i didn't i didn't know about that um but yeah i think anakin uh having he clearly in the episode connects with jabo and connects with his own past when he's like oh you did the macro wipe or whatever that uh, was i didn't write that quote down um <laughs> You know, and he really connects to like that ability to program uh, the battle droids. Um, but he doesn't fully reconnect to where he was when he was young, right? When yeah. anything was possible. You know, he, he's really willing and, and eager to move forward, but he's so con, uh, consumed with fear that he's not looking at like the way that little kid was like, I can get you off this planet. I can win this race. Have you ever won a race before? Nope, but I'm feeling good about it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And in Jabo, at first, he's just like, yeah, nothing matters. I'll sit here with my droids. But it really doesn't take him much to get him involved in the game and, mm -hmm. and to reach out to him and go, actually, you know, your skills are great. And they could they we need you to help save the day. Yeah. And, 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 and to help others. Shmi would be proud. Yeah. Shmi would be proud. Uh, yeah. And that was definitely one of the big themes, uh, uh, big Star Wars themes that I thought was at work here, besides all the discussions of fear and hope and attachment of that everyone has a value. Don't underestimate the little guy I thought was really present again. Uh, lots of moments of uh, Jar Jar's clumsiness and sometimes hunger being a benefit. You know, he uh, wants to eat the bug, which is the clue to finding the lab. You know, he trips and uh, finds the hatch. He, he also possibly gets Padme exposed to the virus, but that's a larger <laughs> discussion. Uh, I think uh, Peppy Bao, uh, the shack herder <laughs> Gungan, uh, she's also somebody who like at first was like, yeah, you, you are a little bit of, you know, who are you? Why are you here? Are, are you important? Are you in the way, you know, in that great Star Wars theme of like, no, she gives vital info. And mm -hmm. uh, in fact, when Anakin is raging and Nuvo Vindi keeps escaping him and Obi-Wan, she's the one who's able to sneak up and, and kick his butt. Uh, and then I think that that also extended to. Uh, my weird little favorite, the uh, LEP rabbit droid, uh, mm -hmm. is the like, come on, it's just a little messenger droid usually. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's the droid that almost kills these heroes yeah. of the galaxy from stealing the vial and just setting off the bomb out of anger, allegiance to Nuvo Vindi. Who knows? And I think Jabo Hood is a part of that too. Jabo is really, really in that line of, 
uh, oh, this, this little orphan kid with mm-hmm. the bad attitude, how's he important to the galaxy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, Obi-Wan, would, you'd think he'd learn that, right? You know, going back to Phantom Menace. <laughs> a little bit better. A little bit better. Yeah. Uh, last for me, kind of big picture theme is we talk a lot about the uh, the organic versus the mechanical. Uh, and I think this these two episodes had this interesting relationship with that in that they were really about science and nature and how they work together. Uh, you know, in the first episode, the plot is really motivated by Nuvo Vindi kind of unnaturally resurrects uh, this virus via, you know, science. is a lightning and mad scientist equipment and he makes it airborne. He makes it a strain that it didn't evolve into. He makes it that way uh, through, you know, unnatural technology. Uh, and then something that in the second episode that is just cruel, uh, nasty technology of that laser grid is turned into something, uh, you know, natural, uh, something organic, droll, a phantom, a ghost, a superstition. And it's like, actually, it's tech. It's a bunch of lasers. Uh, so I think there's just a lot. I don't think anything super explicit is mm-hmm. being said. I don't think these episodes combined to go thumbs up on science, thumbs down on nature, anything like that. I just thought it was really interesting that the way that they were, the way technology and nature were so interwoven of the virus yeah. is natural, but it's been enhanced unnaturally by science. And, oh, we think that this, uh, that droll is the kind of thing that we would encounter in Star Wars of like some malevolent sure. force presence, some, you know, different, something like the Bendu exists in these moons. That's totally believable in Star Wars. Like, nah, actually it's a bunch of lasers and the way we're going to get around it is technology. It's, it's a remote piloting of, you know, of ships. Uh, that's the way we're going to get around it. You know, the cure for the disease is made of these natural roots, uh, you know, but there's still technology needed to process that and make it into an actual antidote. So it's a lot of interesting connection in the ideas of nature and science in Star Wars. Well, look, I'll even say there's a, anytime a Jedi is involved, that's in display because they're, 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 they're connected with the force, but, and, and it guides their actions, but their actions are in, a lot, of, a lot of technology wrapped up in their actions and what they do and what they use. So it's always present when they're involved, you know? So I like that too. I think that connects. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And that, that is definitely one of those uh, pressure points between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy of like, you know, there's no power greater than force. We are luminous beings. Also, we have utility belts with aqua breathers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm personally fine with that because I like that merging of... Uh, of the organic in the mechanical. Uh, any other thoughts on larger Star Wars themes before we take a quick break? Uh, no, my think piece on J-Bo Hood being young Anakin. Uh, uh, I'll offer that as an exclusive uh, OnlyFans uh, link later on. <laughs> I am uh, intrigued and disturbed by that. So uh, let's take a quick break to think about the J-Bo Hood OnlyFans and we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Radio. 
And we are back here on the Clone Wars Report to discuss some of the fun moments, the comedy moments, the action moments, and connections to canon in these two episodes of the Clone Wars. So, Ken, did you have a favorite or favorite action moments? I have some real tiny ones, and I love the little tiny moments. That's what makes us keep coming back. There is... Gosh, I think it's in the second episode. I didn't write that down. Clone, there's a moment where the clones jump on the droids and they have because they have no weapons and they got to take them out. <laughs> yeah, and I, they just start I wailing like, on them. Yeah, I just like that little detail, man. It takes all kinds. It takes fists and and kicking and whatever you got to do. And plus, because it's it's droids. Like I love, I love in Sith when Obi Wan kicks Grievous and it's like, yeah, because of course it would. Like I don't like it when you know that you see there's some kicking you know if you get a good heel on a droid face that's a little different but it should hurt there should be a cost and so anyways yeah. i just like bones are still they're gonna do it they're gonna fight the droids no matter what and that worked worked yeah. for me i love uh, that yeah. beat because it's like clone it, it, it's them doing what needs to be done but it also feels like a clone's anger therapy where like just the ones like a pile driving him with an elbow <laughs> yes yes in uh episode 118 when they first uh, meet Jabba Hood and the whole uh, droids, and then uh, it's a really effective, uh, and especially if it's a Halloween episode, I think it's spooky. It's wonderfully spooky of the whole "Welcome to Iago, Welcome to Iago, Welcome to Iago." I think mm. I think it's haunting, but also we're we're just they do a good job. We're so trained, like battle droids. Oh gosh, it's it's not good. There's going to be a fight, and I love that Anakin jumps into it, which is one of my favorite comedy moments. But I, I thought that that scene worked really well. Uh, and then the final one for me is uh, there is a moment where the the droid cuts uh, rolling through. It's like that blue tunnel. It's a shot over kind of like over the shoulder of the of the rolling droid cuts, and the uh, attack the clones chorus and chase music is playing. Uh, I love that music. That little electric guitar, maybe even in there. Uh, oh, I just yeah. loved, I thought that was a great little moment, and and in a small action moment in a big episode. Yeah, well, nice pull, nice pull. Uh, I got a couple moments for myself. I really liked in the first episode uh, when they were first fighting their way into the lab and Ahsoka is floating the thermal detonator using the force and first uses it to kind of distract mm. uh, little uh, the watchful eyes. Uh, and I was like, you know, Jedi should do this more. They <laughs> should just float right. thermal detonators into the middle of, uh, of some battle droids. <laughs> Maybe that would work out. But I thought that was uh, really cool. I love it uh, when I see them solving things with the Force and a bomb. Um, I really liked uh, when Ahsoka was uh, a little bit overwhelmed and then the rubble fell on the destroyer droids and then Obi-Wan landed on top in that hero pose. Eh, it's just because I like Obi-Wan. It's an awesome hero pose. But also, you know, I've been paying attention as we go through the relationship between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. You know, I think it gets more strained uh, as she pulls more towards seeing uh, the Jedi in a different light. And, and Obi-Wan's so kind of all in on the general perspective of the Jedi. So it's fun to see these moments where they're a little bit more in unison uh, and she's still kind of learning from him. Mm, that's that's great. Those are good pulls, sir. Yay, yay. Uh, and then last one is I, I love those hall, hallway scenes as well. The music pull is, is a great yeah. notice. I did not pick up on that. But I really like it when Ahsoka bounds off the walls and then drives the saber through the Droidica's shield. Yeah, that's just a cool action moment. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good pull. That's great. Continues to be. I love how strong that is right away in this first season that she is, you know, far more lithe and agile like Anakin and Obi-Wan do big leaps and and they roll and all that but she's something different she's a little bit more acrobatic because of her build and I love it when they show that yeah yeah each each bring everyone brings their own strengths it's a great pull 
Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness, because there's there's a lot of weirdness in these episodes. Yeah. So uh, I have a few uh, things that I wrote down, but uh, what do you got? Uh, I'll start with this. Uh, I think it's... I. Just love kind of awkward comedy beats. Um, I love uh, Anakin talking to Ahsoka on the on the on the, the radio there, so to speak, and then running into her in the hallways and like, hey, hey. <laughs> I, was, I don't know that that is a, that is Indiana Jones to me too. That that could work in Star Wars. It does work in Star Wars. This is Star Wars, but like that could be a weird Indiana Jones moment. I like that. I like Vin. I, it's he's silly. Vindy's silly. But he's dangerous. He's so evil, but he's at times silly. And I like silly too. But I love the. What happened? <laughs> Great moment for me. Um, I like Anakin using Slimo. I, you know, the fact that he picked up this curse word as a kid and uh, slime ball and um, Hatiza like that. Uh, How, l- let me ask you: When you hear that, do you feel like that is slime ball, or do you feel like uh, Slimo uh, belongs in George Carlin's list of seven words that can't be said on broadcast? I mean, to be fair, I think the direct translation is slime ball. If I'm okay reading correctly but 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 no you're not wrong slimo is like don't that there's some words there's some words in our language that you're like okay you can get away saying that version of it <laughs> that version. i'm not talking about the racial words i'm talking about like insult words uh, uh, uh you know you know what i mean like there's a one with a p and one with a c one maybe you could use the other one and unless you're british um so Yes, uh, I, I'm with you. I think Slimo. I think Slimo is a swear word. I think it's a it's a it's a bad word. Bad okay, word. yeah, the way he's using it, it really does have that. Like that is that is salty Tatooine talk that we maybe don't say here on Coruscant. <laughs> salty Tatooine talk is <laughs> that's that's something. I like that. Well, what else you got? Uh, I liked. Uh, well, I, I, I imagine this might be one of yours moments, uh, but I'll say it. it it's an Obi Wan line. Um, um, actually, there, okay. There's I don't know. Do you have Obi Wan stuff? I don't want to step oh, on yes. it. Oh, please, okay. please uh, share my Obi Wan. Two ones. Uh, I do really love the because I love that sequence, the Welcome to Ego scene. Anakin goes crazy because he's panicked, he's fearful. And then <laughs> Obi Wan, you've just destroyed seventeen defensive battle droids without suffering a scratch. <laughs> love that. I love that because it's it, it it proves a point. It it, it is Obi Wan. It's old bull, young bull running down the hill. Story there, a little different ending, but uh, you know it's it's. It's him going, great, what did you do? Like, what did that get you? Like, yeah, like, you know better. You literally just, you didn't take even a second to look at the fact that they're just standing there without blasters. You just ran through it, started cutting them down. And then the one falls apart, and Anakin's like, 18. Like, oh, boy, we're having, <laughs> we're having a day. Um, and then, okay, <laughs> Yuna, I love Obi-Wan. You, Obi-Wan is your guy. I love Obi-Wan, and I love that Obi-Wan is a little salty. Talk about salty language. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this at times. I think Obi-Wan is a, maybe a little bit of a, he's a little prick. He's like, give me a little prick. Yeah, no, that, that's part of the reason I like him, because he's like, noble, wise, patience. Also, meh. Yeah. So when he says, cursed, by whom, my twitchy friend? Like, hold on. You don't just get to walk around and call everyone twitchy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's a spice planet. I think, I agree with you. I think that's some... Um, uh, Obi Wan insensitivity. Like I don't think Obi Wan has had uh, sensitivity training about uh, Star Wars substance abuse. Like that really does yeah. come off as like uh, I don't think that Corrin's okay. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And it's look, it's funny. It's funny, and I'm there too. I'll say things. I'll say things inappropriately too. I, I get it. I try. I've tried to become a better human, but I have that 
mean streak in me. So I, I, I saw myself in, in Obi-Wan in that moment and was like, oh, maybe you shouldn't say those. Things. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad you, uh, you picked up on that, uh, on that, on those. Those are not ones I had on my Obi-Wan list because I was trying to contain myself. Okay, great. And then the final one I'm saying, I had a little whimsy. I do love when at the end, when Padme says, Annie, I think it's sweet. I think oh, it's yeah. Sweet. And I enjoy some whimsy and sweetness in my Star Wars, too. Absolutely. There, there's a lot of sweetness in in both these episodes. The there, it's there between you know Padme and Anakin, and uh, Obi Wan is definitely uh, grumpy and insensitive at moments uh, in these episodes. Is he often is? But I think that that's what I really responded to is there was an energy to Obi Wan where he's like, I know this is a massive pressure point for Anakin, so I instead of lecturing him. I'm going to be really gentle in my tone and I'm going to really ask him to take a step back with me and use all his, you know, patience and his talent and his creativity to find the solution. And I, I like that tonal change. Uh, in one moment, I kind of put it under uh, comedy because it, it did make me laugh, but I love it is when Anakin's kind of losing it about how on edge he is. And it's a fine response to Obi-Wan and Yoda and everybody else constantly going, patience, patience. Anakin can be like, uh, there's a virus. People are infected. I'm a little on edge. Why aren't you? And Obi-Wan says, I'm better at hiding it. And mm. I just love the, the nuance of that, of and it, it, that, that goes to fear and hope too, of like, Anakin, I, I, I care about Ahsoka. I care about Padme and Rex and my clones. And I don't want all of Naboo wiped out. I'm actually really scared. I, I am experiencing fear I just need to control it. I can't broadcast it the way you seem to choose to constantly. Yeah, that's great. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of it's a moment of whimsy. It's funny, but it's it's yeah. got some depth to it. Um, I've seen this uh, gif go around or this quote, and I n- never remember which episode it's from. So I was really happy to see it of Obi Wan saying, "Just another boring day saving the universe," uh, which is. Just a, it's a kind of a great, you know, adventure serial uh, hero thing to say, but I think it also just goes to Obi Wan's character of like he yeah. really isn't in it for adventure, so he can have that like I did my day's work, you know, and now I can have a drink. <laughs> Maybe such a salty, sarcastic uh, cuss there, you know, another happy landing. Oh, shut up, Obi. <laughs> Understandable. A uh, couple more for me. Uh, I really like it when Jabo, uh, when Obi Wan and Anakin say Jabo together, like it's the dumbest name. Like in this just endless litany of possibly weird, bonkers, silly names in Star Wars, that Jabo is what uh, breaks Obi Wan and Anakin. And the writers kind of choose to point it out. Yeah, that's funny. Jabo, kind of dumb name is that, huh? Anakin, I don't know Obi Wan. What kind of silly name is that? <laughs> it's like they're making fun of Star Wars names, but they're the prime examples yeah i mean they should have went savage oppress right oh i get it oh because you're savage and you want to oppress us i get Uh, it i see clever um uh i really liked the i really like that uh lep servant droid the rabbit droid i always like it they're just weird little droids uh but there's a real weird tonal thing uh where uh nouveau vindi gives that gives the the vial to it uh, mm-hmm. and he says okay <laughs> almost yeah. like coloni and then yeah. kind of has a little sway they always walk like a little sway like they're just a little tipsy uh, yeah. i thought that was hilarious i like those droids I, I i think i wouldn't have said that 10 years ago i, I but i like them i like them now i really do 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, two more, and I'll stop. These episodes are real funny to me. Uh, I liked a lot of how over-the-top Nuvo Vindi was. That was another thing about that. Like, yeah, this, there's nothing subtle about this. We're doing, you know, megalomaniacal mad scientist. Uh, and I liked in the when Anakin is threatening him uh, on the ship, and he says, yes, kill me now and spare these old bones the Blue Shadow's dire embrace. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever goes like, Attack the clones, Captain Phasma, that's a bit much. Like, it's lines like these that remind you, yeah, it's it's pulling from genre storytelling that is a bit much on purpose. It's it's the intent. Yeah, as George will say, they're, they're, the acting is on purpose like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you should step off my soapbox a little bit to say, yep, it is a matter of taste. There are definitely uh, parts of Star Wars that are more subtle, but I really like pulling from this source, and I, I love these. Mm this could be coming straight out of the mouth of uh Dr. Doom or Skeletor kind of lines, you know? Well, in a way, look, it works in this format. I, I, I you know, would, would this have worked live action? I don't know. They wouldn't have approached it, I think, in, in exactly the same way. So yeah. it, it works for the format. It works really well. Snoke dances on the edge of it, right? Of raw power and kill you with the cruelest stroke. It's not as over the top, but it is definitely of that tradition. Yeah, there's no more, no one more over the top than Palpatine. So, there you <laughs> yeah. Go. Uh, my last one is that that I was going to hold myself back and not down, write down any more, but it literally uh, made me laugh out loud. Uh, not uh, snarky type, lol. Actual, lol. Uh, is there was that kind of nice moment again? Obi Wan being a little gentler than he sometimes is uh, to Jar Jar and saying. I understand you had some problems. Maybe we'll get you trained up on how to use a blaster. And then Rex, poor diseased Rex going, I am not training him. And then the sitcom ends. Yeah, but anyways, Rex is normally pretty, you know, open and kind. And nope, nope, nope. That's a non-starter for Rex. Uh, Let's talk connections to other canon lore and stories. I thought there was a lot going on here. What did you have? Uh, There was a lot. I, there was a lot. Um, Let's dive in, but I only I focus on a couple here. I, I do just like seeing Naboo, uh, uh, Captain Typho, a new queen, and I like to see Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of roaming around there and some of the, the familiar haunts. And considering, again, this was season one of Clone Wars. This is only 10 years after The Phantom Menace. To go back and, and dance in that world that they know people weren't immediately open to, but also speaking to the youngsters who are probably watching this and are now a little older going, Oh gosh. Yeah. The, it, I don't know. It'd be like us um, having them go back to, to, you know, Endor or Hoth or something in, in a show 10 years after. Right. We're going to be like, yeah, yes, absolutely. So I thought it was pretty good. And, and I just like the connections in reading a little bit behind the scenes thing. There was a little note there. I thought was funny that the, you got the N1 starfighters in their hangars. And the Clone Wars team, while designing them, realized that, wait a minute, if they're in, our, in their hangars, their tails, the tails of the ship would go through the wall. And so they contacted John Knoll and said, what'd you guys do in Phantom Menace? And he goes, nothing, same thing. We just realized they had to go through the wall. <laughs> like, it's, it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong, but you got you to gotta roll with it. it. It is what it is. It's been set up. So I thought that was a fun little connection to the behind the scenes lore there. Wow, that's great. I had no idea about that. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I loved the quality time on Naboo, the grassy wastelands, Gungan swamplands with the buried statue head, the shack, um, one of my favorite beasts of burden, uh, yeah. being back in, in a Theed hangar and seeing how fast uh, the politics uh, do turn around. Uh, got a different queen already since Attack the Clones, Queen 
Niutni, mm. played by Jamila McMillan. Niutni. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, agreed. Great quality time on Naboo. Uh, what else for you? I uh, I do love. I actually think I, I really like the idea, the concept of going to the moons of Iago. I think and seeing an angel. Yeah, I really like that. And I got to tell you something. I actually kind of bummed. I almost put this in the disliked or question section of the show. I, so I do question it. If you're going to go that far, it's not far, but if you're going to do that, just go, Hey, here's a direct reference to that thing. Anakin said in that kind of infamous scene that people kind of poke fun at. If you're going to do it, I wanted a real close up cutaway shot of Anakin going, it is true. <laughs> and not for nothing, but uh, the, the, Angel provides some information that helps them get off the island and helps them f- form the antidote that saves Padme. So I like that connection. The, are you an angel? No, but one's going to save your life in about 10, 12 years. I like yeah, that. he's going to save Padme's life in particular. Yeah, that's, I really wanted that that shot of, you know that meme uh, where Jared Leto, Jared Leto uh, is at a fashion show and he sees uh, a an outfit he likes and his mouth is just hanging open and then he, the meme is he buys it later for himself so you see him walking around in it like i wanted that look on anakin's face of like oh yeah an actual angel like the people from these moons used to tell him, like the space uh fairs used to tell me about uh, yeah absolutely so i love it. i love the reference if you're gonna go there really go there but i thought it was played well i thought the angels were a good design and it makes sense it's not abnormal and and the way word would travel through the galaxy but not everyone's going to see these angels nor believe them and, and that they're these kind of these creatures in star wars i liked it i liked that a lot yeah it was i really liked seeing it it was uh it, it definitely kind of lived up to the way uh anakin describes it of like yeah only people who kind of go to remote and dangerous parts of the galaxy would probably have been familiar uh with this with these angels um so it, it kind of matches i also the the design of the angels was like, oh, okay, no, we're not being subtle. They're they are bright, glowing, and they have uh, wings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did you feel about that? Let me ask you because this discussion goes around a lot every time. There's kind of a new reference. There's can sometimes be a like, uh, does earthly religious signifiers words exist in Star Wars? And of course, like going back to Empire, we have see you in hell. It, it came up in Last Jedi when Godspeed Rebels came up. People were like, eh, what, what are they talking about? But uh, these uh, these angels are called angels and they yeah. look very shining and holy as angels do in, in many different interpretations of angels. I, I, don't have, I don't have a problem with it only because, I don't know, maybe I grew up uh, just uh, see you in hell was one of my favorite lines. I love that line. Absolutely love that line. So I, I just never questioned. And, 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 and I had one of those moments that of last Jedi. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the many things that kind of emerged from the theater and started hearing uh, online that people had an issue with that. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I'm here to respect your day. I just don't, I didn't, I didn't even notice it other than, yep, that's a thing that would be said. And so I don't know. I, I it, the fact that you're, you, we got basic as this galactic language. That's, human enough you know that almost wouldn't <laughs> so i it doesn't bother me and not that the i don't know i don't think the force is the only thing in the galaxy but it, i don't know it might be at the center of it all george might tell you that let's go to the the the, the wills and let's go to the, the the microtic level inside you know his episode nine joking joking <laughs> but, um, so but i think there's still there's definitely room for other face 
and religions, you know what I mean? And so some concept, some use of that is, is okay to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Star Wars does a, a great job of that, of playing around with lots of not only different interpretations of the force, but like, you know, uh, religious and faith beliefs that come up because of where people live and how they live and all that. And I just, this is fascinating to me because it's just like, they're angels. Uh, and they're called angels and they look like a science fiction interpretation of angels and yeah. that's it. No, we're not going to discuss it any more than that. We, we don't know. Uh, it's yeah. really interesting. But yeah, that's definitely one of my favorite canon connections. Uh, you already mentioned J. Bo Hood being a real a mirror for Anakin. I also like that he kind of came off as a, an NPC that is giving you missions. Like, right. You're not going to like this, but you're going to have to fight that plant. I'm like, ah, boy, here we go. Um, and uh, the little bit of that uh, that connection to old Snap Wexley, that this is a little bit of a Mr. Bones precursor, especially oh, yeah. with like the sharp teeth uh, painted on the battle droids. How did you feel about that? I totally, because uh, I've grown to really love Mr. Bones. I did not at first. I did I absolutely did not grow to love him a lot. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I like the idea. There's something about J-Bo that, again, maybe 2009 I probably didn't like as much when I first saw it. But now, I don't know, just him swinging on a hammock listening to, to, to music is, number one, what I kind of just want to do every day. <laughs> and and um, a character like this in the galaxy existing had no other choice, but it was had some skills that, you know, could have been could have been put to use for the Republic if he was recruited elsewhere or fortunate enough to be born on another planet or be in another situation. So he represents a lot of people in the galaxy during this time and uh, and, and what could have been maybe if, if they were more involved or had a better chance. I, I like a lot of what he, what he represents. And, and he has a real funny line, too, of he's, I forget I didn't write that one down, but he's walking away like, ah, oh, nine months, nine months, like, <laughs> nine months, man. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Earth speak, <laughs> he says, man. That's the one, yeah. Nine months, man. Nine months. <laughs> You're so right. It is a very, uh, he's supposed to be 10 in the story, but he's a very preteen comedy, like, nine months, man. Nine months. Yeah. It's great. David Sounds Con- a little like the kid in T2, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like he's going to teach Anakin to say hasta la vista. Eddie Furlong of Star Wars, indeed. Yeah. You mentioned this uh, uh, before, but uh, the general picture of separatist cruelty. We've got the characters like Mina Bonteri we're going to spend more time with, who are people with the legitimate grievances who are manipulated by the, but this kind of upper level, the machinery, the um, the uh, corporations uh, who are investing money in uh, mining and in, uh, you know, new technology uh, are not great. Uh, and this is a great one uh, to remind us of. The separatists are doing not great things that the Jedi would want to react to, like mining Iago for spice, kicking uh, the angels off Milius Prime and making, you know, a giant laser grid and just trapping desperate people alone in the system. Like, who cares about you, you know? So mm-hmm. we really return to this uh, a couple times in Clone Wars, but really strongly with Echo's whole story in Season 7. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. Evil. Not great. Super bad. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, I've been on my uh, kick to keep track of all of the bad feelings about this. And we got two. Right. <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan has a bad feeling about this uh, in the second episode. And 3PO is, says, I'm getting a bad feeling about this hmm. right before. And this is so great because we just talked about this uh, in our episode looking at Obi-Wan's hut of exposition. Uh, 3PO asked to be shut down. He says, with your permission, I would like to shut down before I get sensory overload uh, when they're doing brain surgery on the separatist <laughs> droid. Yeah. And I love that Padme is like, no, we need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think of that too. Yeah, we just said that Yeah, you don't see that often. Yeah, yeah but he does. He asks again. Uh, my final one is uh, just kind of tracking a lot of the relationships between people. Uh, I really like that Padme 
requests Anakin and Obi-Wan to come. And that might because, uh, right. be because of, of trust. Or, you know, sometimes people are like, we know all about the relationship from Anakin's perspective, but there are these reminders throughout that Padme is in love. And that's the way I took this one of like, she just wants to see him. I love that you said that. Yeah, no, and and we know we're we're robbed a little bit of uh, a little bit a lot of Padme's uh, perspective in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we get it, but um, it is what it is. But uh, I, yeah, I love I love seeing it from her point of view and giving her credit. I, I always I think there's some reasons she's in this relationship. I think the relationship can be considered trouble at, at times, but overall, there's some something real powerful there. They did, the kids just didn't get a chance. And I like what you're saying that, that we could see Padme like, yeah, I like that guy. Bring him yeah. over. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then my my final thing is uh, Obi-Wan as the negotiator. You brought this up uh, last week, I believe, when we were talking about uh, mm-hmm. how much that tracks. And I'd like to mention that uh, Gungans trust General Kenobi as one of their own. And I don't know if that's because he was involved in connecting them to uh, the Naboo. And, and, you know, if they, they were like, hey, that guy was really right about us forming a symbiont circle. Or if there's something more that we haven't seen, but I like that idea that no, he's he's the negotiator. He's trusted by lots of different people across the galaxy. Love that. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, definitely something that connects. And I did one little final moment too of just uh, Kenobi saying there's more more than one way to skin a womp rat, other than a fun reference to a womp rat. To me, that tracks uh, all the way to New Hope with uh, you know uh, you can't win, but there's uh, you know alternatives to fighting that. that, that Obi-Wan has the ability to look at those things uh, from a lot of different points of view and perspectives, which is also probably why he's a good nego- negotiator. So tracks. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, I think one of, you know, in the pro column for Obi-Wan's uh, uh, skill set and personalities when he's at his best, he's like, Hmm, let me look at this from a couple different uh, points of view and, and figure out the best way to go. And, and he's killing it in these episodes on that uh, calling a meeting yeah. <laughs> of uh, all the poor people of Iago and saying, Hey, Let's figure this out together. Was there anything in this episode that you disliked or questioned or these episodes rather? So oh, we'll start simple. I don't know if I need to see the shacks die in such a violent manner. All right. I, <laughs> I do like animals. I, I love all of the creatures of the galaxy. So uh, I need to see good things from time to time. So I don't know. It, 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 it upset me a little bit. You know, wink, wink, notch, notch. It was like a little bit like, yeah, nah, deal with this right now. Shaq's dying. Um, so there's that one there. And I know you love Shaq. So I don't know, maybe you were affected too by the Shaq deaths. I was, I didn't, I didn't like seeing it. I was, I was wishing that, uh, Peppy Bao could get him away faster. Yeah. Um, so look, we didn't really, we haven't talked too much about him. Uh, but once again, I have to dig through some long held Jar Jar issues. But <laughs> look, here's the thing. I, I just absolutely love, love Ahmed best. And so because of that, I always now in going back on these Clone Wars episodes, I'm forcing myself to not just go, Oh, Jar Jar. Cause I do have, you know, I was one of that crowd and I do legitimately love Jar Jar Banks. I really do. And so there's, it's, it's a bit much in these early seasons for me, just the, like, what are you, are you dumb or Jar Jar? Like, what are you doing? Like pay attention. You know what I mean? There's, I'm, I'm quite gone at the table, grabbing his tongue a little bit, but I, 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 in saying that, Joseph, I, I just don't know if I want him any other way because he always does. The, it is it is not just a recurring Jar Jar's bumbling, but as, as you pointed out before too, like it always leads to good. And I don't think the forces guiding Jar Jar, like let's make this bumbling, trippy, uh, you know, trips a lot guy uh, uh, save the day. But it, <laughs> it, it it that it's consistent. It's so that way. It's always used for something good. And we talked about some of the, the bombad Jedi stuff and. Uh, Jar Jar being open to 
uh, other allies that other people aren't just because he's, he sees the world from his, his certain point of view. And I, so there, that, that's when I say I have to dig through some issues to find, uh, to find the stuff at the bottom, which is, I do love this character. So uh, yeah, did, it's like question. And sometimes you question and you find the answer. Yeah, no, I, I was with you. I had a little bit of a question of like, I mean, there's a lot of like, okay, Jar Jar is different and we need to have respect for that because that is often, because A, we just should respect people who are different and he has, you know, uh, every right to represent uh, Naboo as much as Padme and that's all great. But then there's also like, yeah, he causes physical danger. Sometimes we weaponize his clumsiness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Padme stuff. It's like, hey, yikes. Yeah, yeah. The, in, but but that, that one was like, okay, well, the the funny thing of he wants to eat the bug that's the clue that gets them there and you know mm-hmm. uh, there are other moments like that where his clumsiness uh, or his perspective helps out but it's like yeah he he whips out the blaster and then he kind of just gets <laughs> Padme infected you know and that's kind of followed up later in the episode of like well you know there's some still some things that you have to learn but that is just that was a moment where his bumbling was just like uh, he's very dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah not good yeah. We love them. I'm definitely going to get that Jar Jar Black Series figure, so don't worry about it. Excellent. Excellent. Anything else you disliked or questioned? No, no. I mentioned the uh, the Angels of Iago. Uh, I, I only questioned jokingly, but, you know, just give give me that, that Anakin meme, like you said. Like, yeah, a little bit bigger reaction. Yeah, no, that was the, that was the main thing I wrote down is uh, the only thing I disliked or questioned is, like, there are kind of so many ideas of what Iego was and the, the angels and who they were and what their moon Milius Prime was like before it was turned into a giant laser uh, that I was almost more like, I could we, I know you guys need to leave for the virus, which please mm-hmm. go, go save your friends. But I almost wanted to spend more time there. Is that, I, I'm trying, it, Milius Prime, is that, is that named after John Milius? I, I did not find any, uh, that depth of information on that one. I'm just trying to, there's nothing. Is it on, uh, I'm sure it's on Wikipedia. I'm clicking it right now. Uh, John Milius, uh, for those young, young, I don't want to assume younger people don't know that, uh, uh, director, 70s, 80s, uh, contemporary of Lucas, um, and kind of a crazy cat himself. Uh, yeah, it's not saying. I just, uh, this got to be, come on. Yeah. Really, uh, got to be. Come on, come on. Uh, well, that's a great segue to the stuff, uh, anything that we haven't uh, talked about that I want just kind of some, uh, fun facts that I wanted to dive into. I did look up, well, who is doing Nouveau Vindy? And it is Michael York, uh, who is, you know, of course, uh, immensely famous actor. And I was like, what? wow, that's amazing. That's Michael York. And this was the detail on his uh, Wikipedia page uh, for doing Nouveau Vindy. He is the stepfather of Rick McCallum. What? I know, right? What the? Uh huh. <laughs> Everything is connected. That's craziness, right? I. It's just. It's amazing to think of Michael York coming in and going, yes, 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 yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, really good work. I mean, that makes me actually really appreciate Vindy at a, at a level I didn't think I would. That's really great. That's really interesting. That's crazy. I didn't know Rick McCallum. Wow. See, folks. You learn something new every day. We learn something new every day. Uh, Michael York, man. Curb enthusiasm, underrated turn there. Uh, Basil Expedition from uh, Austin Powers and and so much more. But God, that's crazy. Yeah, Basil Exposition (laughs) as (laughs) a mad scientist in Star Wars. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, 
The other thing that I liked uh, in the credits is realizing that Catherine Tabor voiced the angel. So technically, Padme is an angel in this episode. <laughs> there you go. Finally, finally. Uh, one other thing I wanted to throw out you uh, throw out mm-hmm. here uh, as we head toward the end of the episode. Uh, you know, I, I bang on about those Republic serials uh, or, you know, Saturday morning adventure serials. Uh, and a big part of those is they would have the cliffhangers that the heroes would literally be in danger uh, and you'd have to come back next week. Mm. I've always been curious, especially in an episode like this, where the these episodes are connected. But at the end of the first episode, it seems like everything is fine. And it would have been pretty easy to have Padme infected. Or, or to have the virus get loose, the bomb go off at the end of the first episode and truly have it be a cliffhanger. But there seems to be more devotion to having it be each episode be kind of this complete cinematic uh, arc that ends with a kind of everything's resolved shot. And, and the later Clone Wars uh, plays around with that, but they never go full into bum, 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 what will happen yeah. next? And I've always wondered why. And I was curious if you had any thoughts or opinions well, or knowledge I'll say- on that. I don't have the knowledge on it. I'll say this, though. That makes sense because often both on air and off, you and I will say, all right, so next week we're reviewing these episodes, right? And in my head, I was like, I watched this first episode. And again, no joke, kind of having no memory of these episodes. It ended. And I went, I swore Joseph said we were doing two episodes. (laughs) And the next thing kind of pops up on Disney Plus, Mysteries of Thousand Moons. And I said, that doesn't seem... That doesn't seem right. So I didn't watch it right then. I went back a little later and went to our list and was like, oh, God, yeah, it's connected. So totally, you're totally right. Um, uh, artistic choice, whatever it is, the reason. But um, maybe. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Maybe a, a fee, either artistic choice that uh, that they really wanted to have cinematic because, you know, particularly in this first season, a lot of them end with the same kind of image that the movies would end on. Right. Of like our heroes lined up uh, or somebody walking off into the horizon. Um so I don't know if that was just that choice or if there was a thought that the market couldn't bear that, like pe- that people wouldn't like that kind of cliffhanger or would see it as like too uh, cheap and too sort of like, um, you know, because there's the jokes about those. Sometimes the when they weren't execu- executed well, those cliffhangers were real cheats, right? Of like, yeah. it looks like one thing is happening and it's not, you know. You too. I wonder if, uh, you know, Cartoon Network had some kind of, nah, we need it episodic uh, so kids can pick up. I mean, there could have been a lot of that too. Um, but great, great thought. Great. Cause I clearly, I felt that. <laughs> yeah. Clear. Like I swore there was two. I just feel like too, like I'm rewatching the first season of Mandalorian too. And like, there's opportunities in the Star Wars storytelling to do that, to do the like, yeah. uh, oh, the child is in such danger. Bam. To be mm-hmm. continued. Right. Uh, and yeah. I would love to see that someday in Star Wars. That, and I know there are some episodes in Clone Wars that are definitely sure. you know, cliffhangers where we end with our character in danger. But I would be fascinated to see what would happen if it was you really leaned into it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe Mando season two. Maybe Mando season two. We shall see very soon. Ken, if you could have an action figure of any character from this episode, who do you want? I think there's only one answer. You might disagree, but I do think we need the Dr. Nuvo Vindy's Little Mad Scientist playset. <laughs> um, you can mix and match your own chemicals. I don't want to encourage kids to make uh, chemical weapons, um, but <laughs> to be honest, these toys are for adults. And I don't want to encourage adults to make chemical weapons, but I uh, think for the spirit of fun, I'll take the uh, Vindy Little Mad Scientist playset. Yeah. Does it come with the little rabbit droid? Oh, definitely. Gosh, yes. To scale. Absolutely. Okay. I will, I will buy that in an instant. Uh, 
my action figure is going to be uh, the that Quarren who's going through a rough time, a meat Nolof. <laughs> As I just, I really like the performance, and I really like the the character who is just like, no, troll, troll. So some great action figures for us to buy in our minds. Uh, Next up, we are going to do what is the final arc for season one. There is uh, one more episode uh, after that in season one, but it is not in chronological order. It pops up later, the hostage crisis. So this arc of Storm over Ryloth, Innocence of Ryloth, Liberty on Ryloth, is our last arc for the first season of The Clone Wars. So I'm looking forward to digging into that with you, Ken. Yeah. What do you think the moral should this episode of, for this episode of our podcast should be? Well, here it is. When you think you're about to watch two episodes of The Clone Wars you don't want to watch, have hope that you'll get through them and learn the valuable lessons there for you. That is a just beautiful uh, moral, and it's so practical. I can apply that to my life, and I'm going to. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? Yes, I do, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center to join the conversation. We'll put out a call for questions and everything that could factor into the show, but you can always reach us uh, anytime with a good thought or question. We're on Facebook, like us at uh, Force Center Podcast, on Instagram and YouTube as well. Subscribe over there. Uh, you can support us at uh, tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center if you want to get some merch and show the world, especially the Speculate Responsibly t-shirt as we go into new Star Wars uh, properties and materials and shows. And then uh, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Force Center. Po- a podcast is available in a lot of different spots. Um, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. But uh, we also want to highlight it's available on Amazon music uh, where uh, podcasts are now pouring into daily we nice. uh, oh sorry i i you know you you and i say this stuff so many times sometimes i just draw a blank on where i am <laughs> on <saying laughs> uh, we do want to highlight our own stuff uh, outside the star wars world and inside the star wars world quite frankly uh we have uh, got um we've got uh, uh my website cadnapsock.com at cadnapsock and i do want to highlight Two fun things I got to uh, kind to going to do recently. Um, I am on Dan Marl's new show, uh, formerly of Screen Junkies, called All My Movies, part of the SEN Network. I uh, was a guest on there talking about Star Wars A New Hope, which was a fun conversation to have. Dan is uh, quite the cinephile and uh, loves that movie, so it was good to, good conversation. And uh, I got to come in and do a little bit of work on the new Honest trailers uh, out there for The Mandalorian and look, I'll be honest, I love those guys there. And I know sometimes uh, their their snarkiness can can rub people the wrong way over the sequel trilogy. I, I've had that tweeted to me ad nauseum the last couple of days. And I actually <laughs> agree with you and respect it. And believe me, Joe Starr is one of my close friends. And we battle a lot over Star Wars sometimes. Um, but they're great, great folks. Uh, Daniel Radford, Lon Harris, Spencer Gilbert, Joe Starr. And they uh, brought me in and got to uh, got to just uh, have fun reworking uh, and rewatching The Mandalorian and, and got a couple jokes in there. So it was kind of fun. But you can watch that on uh, the Screen Junkies channel as well. So that's uh, my life this week. Joseph, what about you? Oh, that's good. Lots of wonderful uh, Star Wars adventures and other adventures on all your all your podcasts. Yeah. Uh, for myself, you can find me on uh, josephscrimshaw.com is my website. You can find links to my other podcast, Obsessed, and to comedy albums and a comedy book I wrote a long time ago. Uh, I've been resharing on social media a blog post I wrote about, uh, it just got taken. I Last year, I saw this box of Halloween cereal. I love Halloween. 
and it was uh, Frosted Flakes with Tony the Tiger with a Dracula cape and then all these marshmallows that are different uh, Halloween-themed marshmallows. And it just kind of blew my mind imagining somebody who just didn't know anything about our culture going, what is this? Why is, why is a wild animal in a cape <laughs> advertising sugary cornflakes? What is this? Uh, so I wrote about that. So if you want some just uh, Halloween fun, uh, there's some jokes there on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And, of course, you can follow me Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. So that is it for myself, for Ken, for Nuvo Vindi and his dangerous experiments. This has been the Clone Wars Report. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.